You're listening to On Conversation, and I am the legend Keith Chandler. This week, we convene once again at our home base of Stirred Up for our 14th episode of this podcast. Joey is not joining us today due to some allergy issues. Here in southeastern North Carolina, allergies are a real serious thing because the pollen down here is really serious. That being said, uh, we spent the episode today discussing the idea of people living via their ethics or via their beliefs and how those two things do and don't shape up together. Our sponsor for this week is Sweet Sounds Records. Check them out, sweetsoundsrecords.com. Fallen on deaf ears since 2012, releasing amazing music all the while. All opinions and feelings and thoughts on our podcast are mine, Brad's, and Joey's alone. They are not representative of any of the businesses that we are recording in or any of our sponsors or people that we shout out. We hope you enjoy the program. Uh, The intro music is a big mystery this week because even I'm not sure, and I'm the one editing this together. So stick around, hang out. You might find some goodies in the middle of the episode if if you can go that far, if you can hang that long. We appreciate everybody out there listening to us and giving us feedback. If you have any messages, requests, comments, concerns, please send us an email at sweetsoundsrecords1, that's the number one, at gmail.com. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. I get mad. I get mad. I get Stir it up coffee shop, June 6th. Yes, June 6th. Me and Brad. Good morning. Joey's not here because he's having sinus issues. So it's just Brad and I. Maybe we shouldn't tell everybody about his sinus issues. Well, that's what he said. A lot of people have sinus issues. I have terrible sinus issues. But you think the salt salt air would help their sinus issues, but I don't know. Interestingly enough, I don't know. Yes, this area is really bad for allergies. Now, if I'm Which on, is crazy because the, the beach, salt air should clear fine, everybody out. But if you're in one with all the grass and pollen. And oh, yeah, the pine. It's, I think it's the pine trees. They shit, shit out tons of pollen. Yeah, it's terrible. So this is an awful, awful mm-hmm. area for allergies. Yep. Um, it's very, very busy on the island. Oh, my gosh. The past two weeks have been really busy. It's kicking up for the summertime. And it has some... Uh, 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 an influx of a lot more people recently because of COVID. So people that live here, that work remotely now. So we have those on top of the normal tourists. So the coffee shop is really busy. So you're going to hear a decent amount of background noise this time because it's rocking and rolling. And this is a Sunday morning. So yeah, it's it's crazy busy. Yeah. The so whole, the whole place. It's season for our listeners from afar. Um, so one of the things we were pondering before we cut the mics on was the difference between living your beliefs and living your values. Which we may revisit this with Joey right. again later, because this is, right. I think this is a fruitful, a fruitful topic. So I was listening to a podcast um, called The Knowledge Project, which people should probably listen to. Who does um, it? The Knowledge Project, who does it? Is it a group of people or a... Um, it is... I might have to look it up. But the, the guy that they were entering, interviewing is a guy that, that's a professor at the Wharton School at, the, at 
University of Pennsylvania, and he is a psychologist, and he was talking, he just recently wrote this book um, called uh, Rethink This, or I'll, I'll get the name of the book. <laughs> but anyway, one of his concepts was that he was talking about, I don't know if it's in, actually in the book, but he was talking about whether or not you live your beliefs or live your values because your your beliefs tend to be static and your values um, tend to be static as well but your values are actually much more encompassing than your beliefs are like if you wanted to be sincere to be sincere is a value hmm. you could have many different beliefs with being sincere about how to be sincere and they can change because right. your sincerity can change over your different beliefs um, also, if you wanted to be uh, consistent, right, that is a value. If you wanted to be honest, that's a value. If you wanted um, to have integrity, that's also a value. So these value words are much easier to change your mind, update your thought patterns. Because one of the things they mentioned is if you, if you don't change your mind, you're not right very much because things change, facts change. Right. So just what you were saying before we started about beliefs growing or your knowledge base growing and changing right. and therefore right. your belief system should grow and change right. at the same time. We, this is a constant struggle of mine to get people, especially my students, to understand that knowledge is dynamic. It's constantly being updated, being advanced, being replicated, being falsified, new questions being asked, new experiments being done. So it's definitely dynamic. I mean, originally there was six feet of books, basically it's called the six feet of knowledge that everybody could read and that was kind of like the combined knowledge of the of the known world that was written down that people could disseminate one was the origin of species one was uh, I think it's called Principa Mathematica by Newton I mean there was a decent amount of works that once you read that you knew all the knowledge but our knowledge is growing so rapidly that that it is it is like flowing and, and maybe it always has we've had the idea that it's prepackaged or that once you learn this one thing it always stays the it's same fixed, right but remember our knowledge is us assigning meaning to phenomenon mm. and so as our interpretation of the phenomenon changes or as the phenomenon actually changes um, our knowledge base is updated right and so some if things you gained, some things right, discarded. Yeah. If you just have a static view of the world and you if you really want to be right, then you you have to adjust your your thinking all the time. Right. Like you have to be willing to change your thought processes, change what you have as your belief system. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking about religion. I'm talking about you know, like what every day. how you believe the planets are aligned yeah, every, every or day. whether you believe Pluto Pluto is actually a planet or, oh, or um, That's yeah. you know, what you know about the continents because you could be wrong about the continents and then once you look it up and you realize that you're wrong, you update your knowledge base and then you change your mind on that particular belief. Right. And so 
the more dynamic your thinking is, the more right you're going to be the majority of the time. Mm. And so if you really want to be right. And we definitely live in a world where people absolutely have to be or believe that they are, in fact, right at all times. Right. And the problem with that is that, well, we know that's a fallacy. You can't be right all the time. The human brain can't encompass even a small portion of the knowledge that we actually have. Well, oddly enough, and you can't remember it. And if you get it on Google or some kind of searches, and how, how are you qualifying it to know that it's actually fact or fiction? I thought I was wrong once, and then I thought about it again and realized I wasn't. Yeah, that's why we call him the legend. Because right? <laughs> he taps into uh, you know, other spiritual devices to know the world. Right. Sacred, sacred herbs. Yeah, the, the Buddha would be most pleased or not. <laughs> not. <laughs> not. Uh, okay, so if... So then, uh, then I have two other questions. Okay. Two, well, two. I don't know that I can answer. No, them, no. But, two, but okay. no. But we can riff on. So. Okay. What, if anything, is the difference between values and traits, or are they somewhat synonymous? And if your knowledge base is growing, and your belief system then changes and grows, or your, or however that right. we want to word that, can that not? even though values are more static, and I agree with that, can that not also, does, I mean, I, I think the obvious answer is yes, but, but that would also influence your values potentially over time so that your values may shift. Your values can change. Change, right. right. They, so may, your values are not like necessarily. Landslide change, right. But, but like, you know, minimal, minimal push. Well, the idea of what you consider some values, you might choose other values because you've gone through a stage in your life, say you've gone through a life-threatening disease, and this happens actually a decent amount where people choose other paths. Mm. Like they choose other paths for employment or what they, how they live their lives or how nice they are to people or whatever. I mean, right. because they've, they've stared death in the face and they've, they've won for now, and then they're like, well... I'm not going to spend my life doing what I did before because I'm, I'm gracious now and, grac and being gracious is one of my values. And so now I'm going to change the way I operate, um, which may or may not change what they believe, but it could. Mm. And you'd have to be willing to allow it to do that. Mm. So you could pick new values right or your values like integrity kind of remains the same if you always have the value of integrity that definition really is not contested so we do have definitions like like the idea of a patriot if if if, if being patriotic was one of your values right um then the the definition of that has always been contested um like what is one man's patriot is another man's traitor or is another man's you know, whatever. Right. And now, so that's, nowadays, that's, that's a really shifting. It's, well, it's always been definition. It's always been. Yeah. So it, that is one of probably one of the more contested, just like the French revolution where you, you know, what made you a patriot was Robespierre actually a patriot or was he a despot, you know, because he helped, free the French people, but he became worse than the king, maybe mm. chopping people's heads off. Mm. So, uh, okay, then, and we were talking about this. So I think we both are in agreement, based on what you said earlier about that. We, th that we think that people think they're living by their values 
but they're more dictated by their beliefs. By their beliefs. And you can have, uh, it's, it's, beliefs are really, really difficult because they can cause you to do all kinds of things that are against the values that you propose to have for why you have those beliefs, right? Right, right. <laughs> and because you're you're emphasizing the beliefs instead of the values that are be- supposedly behind the beliefs that you got. Just like if you wanted to say you were religious and you believed that these particular things may be Christianity or you could Buddhism or whatever, and there's, there's a value behind Christianity of giving, mm. right? But you're not very giving, right? Because you don't, you're not associating that with the belief of Christianity. You feel like you need to be political, maybe, or something like that. Hmm. And so um, religion's a really difficult topic because it's kind of all-encompassing. Right, And yeah. so... Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a muggy bog to wade through. Right, yeah. right. But we assign beliefs to all kinds of things, beliefs of how the country works, beliefs of how your family works, beliefs of how whatever... And the problem is, like, if you perceive, like, that your family's batshit crazy, that belief is going to alter the way you deal with your family instead of just if you have a value of honesty or a value of uh, graciousness, the batshit crazy thing wouldn't matter because you'd still be gracious even if they were batshit crazy, Right. right, which is... You well, know, not, most people got some crazy people in their family, so that's kind of a really a decent example of it. I would think and, too. And I, I've just been thinking about this thought experiment. So one of the ways you critically think is that you do thought experiments. Einstein was really famous for these. He would walk around Princeton with his cane, and he would think about things, and that's where he came up with a lot of his theorems, that and playing the violin. And so, uh, so you can kind of kind of see how these using thought experiments how these concepts when someone introduces the concepts to you you know how it might work in your life and that's a critical thinking um, experiment that you can do and certainly helps you to understand the world better so I've I've just been exposed to this these two values versus beliefs for about a day right and so I've been thinking about them for about a day so I would think also, I'm not an expert also too <laughs> I'm not a psychologist either myself included I think if you challenge people with what they what they claim to hold as their values against their beliefs a lot of time they won't match up and then and then somehow I think oh it's it's uh, it's probably more where they don't match up than that, they, that do. they do. Yeah, and I think it's, uh, and again, I'm, I'm no myself is in, 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 totally included in this. The, the irrational ways that we make the connections make sense to us. Yeah, so, mental so, gymnastics is so what that we are, yeah. right? Yeah. But I, I, I think the other challenging thing, too, and of course, me, I'm, I'm always against the tech thing for some reason, but uh, I, I read an article a couple weeks back. I didn't read the whole article, so I, I can't get too uh, descriptive about it. But where it was a psychologist that said basically we're living in like first player syndrome society now, and that's what people are suffering from because you're you're the star of your Instagram, you're the star of your YouTube, you're the star of your TikTok, 
or you know so on so on mm -hmm. you know it's all about you and that you know it's kind of dissociative because you don't you don't always think about the other and not even like the other like un uncommon or or outsider just the other as in people around you your peers your 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 social group or whatever and then with that going to beliefs and values and being right i think that that disassociation makes that mental gymnastics even greater because then people are really bound and determined to really want to be right and then i think about now that we're on it like well how would you how would you change that how would you I don't want to use the word challenge because I don't, I don't want it to seem oppressive to someone, but how do you change that? How do you challenge that? How do you, uh, you know, how do you help somebody see that? You know, we're to the point where there's a scene in the movie Dogma where it's Chris Rock's character. He plays the, the, the missing 13th apostle. Who was oh out, edited out of the Bible? I totally because, forgot about he, that because he's black, and he at the, at the end of the movie he tells the, the main character that it's better to have an idea because an idea can flex and change than a belief because people grasp on the beliefs, you know, like you're taking it to the grave. So I, I wonder, would it be something like do you? You know, we talked about language last week, roughly ish, being like a form of anarchy. Do you change? Do you change the nomenclature? Do you do you let go of the word belief and start using idea? I you know I, my idea is or I have an idea of, so that there is more flexibility. Do you do you change it by language, and let the language virus fix it, or do you do you smack people in the face? The, you know, uh, uh, metaphorically speaking, do you smack people in the face with it, and and make them see it? And work through it like a like a like a thought exercise, like a problem, or like a you know a, a arithmetic or something. So um, you could. So one of the things that Adam Grant talked about in the podcast was that y your identity needs to be tied to your values and not to your beliefs, which Ooh. they are tied to. In general, identities are tied to beliefs. And so if we, if we move that thing, and he's done tons of experiments. Um, he's a longitudinal study, so he does really long experiments over time, uh, monitoring the theorem that he kind of wants to prove, or monitoring the people looking for, the, looking for evidence of, of what he's trying to prove. And so he feels like the, that that would help a lot with the current situation that we're in. Because he says most people, the values that they have are really pretty good, mm -hmm. right? But a lot of times the beliefs might be way out of whack compared to, and then they live the identity of those beliefs. And then it causes all kinds of problems because there, there is something too going on. And I was thinking about this, that in the background is there is this conflict building up within them that which makes them no, well, maybe they don't realize it, but they're not living their values. Their beliefs do not match their values, and therefore they're false. Like they're they're a walking fallacy. Right. And then 
how dangerous how dangerous is that right when you don't when your identity doesn't match what you really want it to be and then does that cause some kind of crisis you know personality and 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 look at all the drugs everybody's on now legal and illegal legal and illegal and just people trying to escape their lives is the reason are you know, are they trying to escape their lives because of the fact that they are living in in some kind of fallacy? And they realize it either subconsciously or consciously, but it's in the background. And But their beliefs are so solid that they can't get away from them. Like, it's so much part of their identity that they can't get... Whereas your values would make... You, your identity would mold according to your values. Like, if you really wanted to be honest or you want to really wanted to be sincere or you want really wanted to be um you know investigative or some kind of value and and maybe we should look up a list of really good values that people could kind of ascribe to just from the get-go maybe pick three you know, and see if you're, you know, the ones that stand out to you the most, do do your beliefs really match those right. beliefs? And then your actions, well, actions following your beliefs. That's a, that's a big thing because outside of the psychological implications, I mean, you know, your personality is like your, uh, it's like the billboard of yourself, you know, that's your, the way you dress, the way you act, the way you talk, the art you like the music you listen to the, the movies that's your identity it's, yeah it's yeah exactly yeah and so and normally it's linked to a tribe and that's really that's i would that's a that's a huge hurdle you know if your beliefs are tied to your sense of identity and your personality yeah that's a that's a and you believe you're actually following the values of honesty of integrity right. but your belief system is not running that way and therefore it's linking your identity to something different and so there's this massive internal conflict building up in you does that make you violent right or does it or does it make or you depressed su- yeah, or so whatever dude yeah, yeah yeah and you kind of disappear and this is and this is part of why i worry about with some of the technological advances with the internet and media social media platforms is like you say people I feel like it's like you, you, you're trying to escape, but you're escaping into the further realms of your disassociation. Right. And so your escape further divides, and therefore it's, it becomes a, it's not an escape. Now it's a trap. Mm-hmm. Or it's like one of those little escape rooms. Like you're in the room and you just got to figure out the thing to get out. Right. It's really weird. Um, and I think maybe social media exacerbates this disconnect between your values and your beliefs. Uh, and it makes your beliefs stand out so powerfully. Like if someone challenges your belief, they're actually challenging your identity because beliefs are so tied to identity, which if your values were tied more to your identity, yeah, when was someone, time? someone, you know, assaulting your beliefs would not be as dangerous to you because your identity wouldn't be tied to the beliefs, it'd be tied to your values, right? right? Which is a totally different way of looking at it, which is why it was so damn interesting when I, I almost fell off the treadmill yesterday when I was listening to the podcast because it was so interesting, I wasn't paying attention. Who was the guy that was talking about it? You said his name. This guy's name is Adam Grant. He teaches at the Wharton School. Adam Grant. Um, Oh, and I was gonna look up his new book. Uh, Yeah, no, no, no. 
when was the last time ever, you know, I challenge your sense of integrity? Oh, you do? Okay. But yeah, when you say, well, my belief is this, and I think this is stupid. Yeah, well, I believe you're wrong. I'm going to beat you up. So his new book is called Think Again. And it's getting people to rethink things that they've understood in their lives or like rethinking a problem that's been done, uh, doing thought experiments on them. And so I, I probably will order this book. Um, I would say there's, there's also probably a lot of value, even, even if your beliefs don't change or your values remain static always. There's no harm in allowing yourself to be challenged, if only for the pursuit of growth and knowledge. But they, but if you don't want to grow, you well, want I guess, to remain I guess you would static. Never bother. Right. So we have this problem with believing that being static is strong. Mm. Like consistency is different than being static. A consistency of a value is different than a consistency of a belief. Right, so being static on a belief, being consistent on a belief is probably not good. Or being consistent on a value would be much better. Right. Well, and, and life is not static. No, I mean, that's just what I've been. Simple yeah. existence is not. Not that existence is simple, but just how can you? You can't remain that way if. Oh well. So the knowledge project is a podcast. You can find it on. Apple or, or Spotify, and the guy's name is uh, Ad, uh, shoot. Oh, shoot. Awfully cheeky bathing suit. I'm going to get hammered for that. Some feminist is going to come after me. Yeah, you always are in trouble. Well, I can't help it. It's just, it's just the way it goes. Trouble follows me around, man. Like the, like the like the dust cloud and pig pen's blanket and Charlie Brown. It does. <laughs> so I'll I'll figure out what the guy's guy's name is Shane something. Um, for some reason Siri doesn't want to behave. So is this gaining larger traction? Like these these uh, the great new philosophical movements of our time? Are we gaining traction with this stuff? I don't know. Is this happening at university level? Or are they are they Well, the psychologists for I mean, this is very similar to some of the work that um uh, Daniel Kahneman did, the Nobel Prize winning economist. Well, he wasn't he was a psychologist, but he won the, won the Nobel Prize in economics and you've heard me talk about him before, Thinking Fast and Slow is his book. Yeah, yeah. So, um Psychologists have been doing a lot of experiments on things that we thought were obvious. Mm-hmm. In reality, we have so many biases that pop up that, you know, it's amazing that we can, can get anything done or get along at all because there, we have so many biases running um, that run in tandem with our identities. Mm-hmm. Um, and they challenge those and they do studies on those and they... they walk around and think of ways basically to screw with people and right. and figure out whether you know what their biases are do you think 
Well, then why why are we so tight? Shane Parrish is that? Excuse me, Shane Parrish is that guy's name, the guy that runs the Knowledge Project. Shane Parrish website. Yep. Interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. So then, uh, do you think that we're tied to beliefs more? Is that what we're taught first? Do you think is that like as we're as we're young and growing? Do you think beliefs are learned faster than values? Because it's, it would seem to me that a belief is something easier to establish and grasp than a value that would remain static or concurrent. Like, I guess at, at five years old, your definition of whatever, integrity, honesty, that, I, that's hard to define at five when really those things, I'm sure they come into play when you're five, six, and seven. But when you're like in your 30s, 40s, 20s, well, maybe whereas, whereas a belief, I think, is more fluid, right? More, more right. malleable. So it's like an easier. I would say it's not more fluid. It's more concrete. And that's why it's easier to know. OK. All right. I, the only reason I say that is because I feel it's like the nature of it. It's amorphous. You, you know, your the belief for each person, individual is, I think, slightly different, even if it's the same belief. So I guess that's why I say it's more made to fit. But the assignment of it. So the way we learn, you know, is we're assigning words to things. I mean, we might know them without the words, but in order to, like, kind of create the concept that we can share and add it to the knowledge base, we have to assign language to it. And so it's probably easier. The the assignment of a belief is less amorphous than the assignment of a value which is vast so values cover vast like you can have integrity in in any situation pretty much whereas your belief system might affect certain situations so and it might be really narrow i believe that the world is flat it's a very narrow or i believe that you know well, if the earth was flat, flat it, ugh. that if the stirred earth up was, coffee shop's the best coffee shop in the world, right? right. It, I believe earth, that. Then that's that's very pinpoint assignment versus you know it's honesty right, yeah, yeah. or right. or though if the earth were flat, it wouldn't be narrow; it'd be wide. This is where I'd have the drum hit. Ding. Yeah, never mind. So the the uh, or cha-ching. <laughs> no, that's not really it. No. <laughs> So the uh, the assignment of the 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 conceptual idea of a belief, the boundaries are so the way you do a verbal association, you assign it by doing examples and non-examples. The boundaries of values are much wider, maybe much wider than the boundaries of. And I'm not a linguist, so I don't really I'm, I don't really know exactly how that works. But Noam Chomsky can right. chime well, in. Well, that's, and that's why us. I would think that <laughs> as you're young, growing, that's why you attach to beliefs easier and faster because values being of such great birth. Yes. That yeah. It yeah. Takes it's hard time. to. Well, it's hard to point at them. Right. And it takes right. time to refine them to where they are your values. 
Right. You have. I think you have to have so much um, experiential. Well, I think they're development uh, in order to have. They're also that. much more universal. Like you can lay them on top of, and human beings. I think, and one of the things Grant mentioned was that the reason why people choose their beliefs is because they're they give a safety. They're because they're less move dynamic and and move around they give us safety on uh because we want consistency and so beliefs can be very very consistent um Who's that? and so like uh elizabeth anyway, keep going sorry yeah, yeah beliefs beliefs make you extremely safe like you know, you're not worried about your identity collapsing or whatever because you've kind of got this belief system and it's less challenging, more efficient for your brain probably to operate with. So, all right. So, so if we talk about brain efficiency, you know, our brains are, especially according to Kahneman, our brains are extremely efficient and they don't really want to work that hard. And they do draw a bunch of resources from our body. Um, which is why we're in automodality so much, which is where your body is kind of doing a habit. So it's not really thinking that much because it's running a habit loop or some kind of cognitive routine that allows it to do it without spending much energy because it's done it so many times over and over again. So we stay in those loops a lot of the day, like when you go to work or when you go get lunch or when you, the way you put your shoes on in the morning or all these loops that we've built. So we're not running on just like when you go to a city and then you try to figure out where, where you are and where, how you get to some, especially without a GPS, your brain has got to operate on full efficiency. And so you, you, you almost don't see anything else. It's like playing music. Like you, and some people think that that's the flow. Mm. that's mm. the flow because that's where your brain is completely on you're in the zone right right your brain's on right like everything's lit up like if you stuck a basketball player through the mri while he was playing basketball if you could right. his brain would be lit up yeah 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 it's like a meditation emotion kind of a thing yes yes or someone playing a classical piano piece or someone you know uh trying to find their way in a city without a gps do you think that or composing a new piece of literature. Mm. Mm. Or composing a new song. Probably composing is probably more than just playing because your brain probably is not lit up as much playing versus composing. Right. Where it's trying to bring in random... Put it all together. Right. Arrangements. Randi random notes, random sound. words, and then put them together to create this beautiful song. Right. Lights up your whole... Which is why it's so hard and people don't want to do it. Mm. Mm, it is tough writing music. It can be. Right. So beliefs, like to, to build a new belief each time you assess it with a value is probably less, less of your brain has to run a lot more to do that. Therefore, it's less efficient. So maybe that's why we're, we're so inclined to want static beliefs. Hmm. As, and creating a solid well, identity. And, and this is where Joey, I, I, which I, May, might have to do with some kind of tribal instinct that we have. Painfully, I would have to agree with him here, but this is where Joey would say that people are generally inclined to not want to be challenged, not want to have to think too hard or push too hard. Yeah. 
Well, um, and some of that's not laziness per se. It's just that our brain, brain is just really right. efficient and it doesn't really want to be on because right, we'll it, it burns more resources. Yeah, we'll leave it to me to, to turn it this way. Uh, <laughs> so do, do you think, again, I think an obvious answer would be yes. I just don't know if the result would be a definite yes. Do you think that um, disassociative substances in in um, so you're talking about psychedelics monitored environment yeah lsd psilocybin psilocybin so i think that probably does shake people out of those foundations it does i would say that that's probably the the benefit of them is that they do break down the barriers the solidity of a lot of our belief systems and they allow your brain to casually look around the corner or over the top and down and kind of experience the belief as a bystander I think instead of one that's steeped in it as part of your identity. Right. And I think that's where the it helps, you know, PTSD. It helps all these different uh, all these different things that we we didn't really know about. The hippies far out. Well, yeah, you're far out. You're kind of around the corner, right? Right. Yeah, right yeah. And looking at yourself. Might even be on the next block. You're looking back <laughs> at yourself, saying, "Oh, that was a dumb decision," or "Oh, yeah. why am I worried about that?" And then people normally, when they come back from those psychedelic uh, experiences, they think differently for a long time, mm. for a decent period of time, and that's why this microdosing thing is is really deal. ballooming up mm. for depression and PTSD and when well, I, I think um, personality is so when, we, when we're talking about personality and beliefs and to me that's all ego that's all tied to ego and so if you can dilute your ego in any way then I would think that would be a prime path to reformatting changing or just assign your ego to values and not beliefs right and your ego may not work that way. The values might be too narrow to make you feel safe, mm. to make your ego solid, mm. which is probably what makes you feel safe. And I, Grant and I again say I'm not a psychologist or any kind of person who knows a lot about, other than what I've read uh, about like psychoanalyzing things or whatnot. I'm, we're, this is total. This is just a thought experiment where. This pretty podcast is pretty much a thought experiment, just banging around ideas and see what sticks and see what doesn't stick, and kind of bringing light maybe a situation that that our listeners haven't thought about. Yeah, I think I think when we talk about stuff, I think the the, the three people that listen to us, yeah, yeah, <laughs> our family members that listen yeah. to us, I think they think. Yeah, yeah. I know. Uh, my uncle Joe told me that um, he's found it really interesting. I think because they know me so well and they know how zany I am. Yeah. So when we're actually talking and I'm and I'm actually stating concrete zany things that is I the, is is one of your beliefs about yourself. I, I'm I'm a pretty zany person. I okay, think. I'll have to look that up. Um, <laughs> says Keith. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Let's, where's my phone? So why don't you pause it for a second, so I can take a break. Got to take a piss. Yeah. All well, right. Hang on. We'll be right back. Brad's going to take a piss and then would just you stop. Just, just for fruits and <laughs> laughs and giggles, and then I'll take a piss. Okay. Well, we're going to go to a nice bathroom break. Oh, you know what I'll do? I'll, I'll fade in some music here, like elevator music. Okay. And then I'll fade it back out. Okay. That'll okay. Be all, right, all right. All right. Pause.
What's up? So, getting back to our... I mean, maybe we beat it to death. Our conversation on beliefs. We can keep riffing. I, I mean, I think this is great. This okay. Is, this is heady shit that I like. That you can... So, we were talking about how psychedelics may disconnect you from your belief system and that is why they're being used so much because people get in the belief of that they're less than of a person and then or that they're in danger all the time and then psychedelics come in and they can look around the corner at that and realize they're not look at their lives from a different angle and realize they're not but if we all maybe spent some time assigning Maybe it's impossible to assign a value to a, maybe, can you assign a value to yourself instead of a belief? Sure. Why not? Yeah, I wonder how hard that is. Maybe we should do an experiment ourselves and assign some three values and see if they change our beliefs. We could do our own little longitudinal study. Hmm. Well, then what um, would we, I guess we would need to look up a list of values then to be right. able to, to properly apply the... Right, we would want a list of values of agreed upon values. Right. Right, so... Some fixed measure. Oh, okay, right. and by the way, zany. Oh, my God. So I thought it was spelled Z-A-N-E-Y, and it, Z- is, it is not. It is Z-A-N-Y, zany. Uh, amusingly unconventional and idiosyncratic. That is you. Exactly. So my, I know that my Uncle Joe, uh, this is my dad's uh, younger and youngest brother. Um, him and his wife, they, they think I'm a pretty zany character, so I know when they listen, or when my uncle listens, he, he told me the day, he said, I think he finds it interesting that when we're having discussions and I actually state something with some moderate form of seriousness and what, what I have as convictions and beliefs, right. speaking of. Yeah. Um, I think he's, I think he's always a little entertained. Yeah. Because they know I'm, they know I'm a complete nut. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A walnut, a pecan. What nut are you? I am if a pecan. Were... I'm not a pecant. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. So okay, then we we can you know what we can turn it that way. So. How many? I think we talked about this at the house the other night. You've only listened to little blips of a couple of the podcasts, right? Yeah. So like I said, everyone I know that listens to it has told me they seem to enjoy it. Yeah, I I actually enjoyed it. I, I think we're think the best, I'd I have think we're too the best many po- podcasts on the Crystal Coast. I'll certainly. Say, say that. <laughs> well, I think uh, I <laughs> probably should work on my speech, my podcast speech. I didn't know I used so many qualifiers and and ticks and talks in my speech. Okay, so let's tie this in. So learning about yourself and your beliefs and things like that. Yeah, isn't it interesting when you listen to this, though? Because it's been interesting to me. Because I think I speak really great, really well, greatly. Good Lord. Um, womp, womp, yeah, womp. yeah, my mom we'll just edit. came out of her <laughs> throne. Um, up out of her throne to swing the grammar. I will rate real good. Yeah. I just want to make it a point that she used to send back my letters from college corrected. In red ink? 
No, I don't think it was red ink, but it was definitely a correction. But that, or but she'd save them for me when I got home, and then but she it, would. It's an interesting thing to, to hear to hear yourself and catch your idiosyncratic little your pops little and ticks and, and that you do, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is why, like, we like teachers to record themselves. Um, with video camera because they do people do weird things with their shoulders they shake their heads funny and oh yeah they do all kinds of crazy stuff uh there was a yoga teacher i had in california um a guy named brian kest and i i think the story it was told to me was that he used to be pretty he's from detroit originally so he was very free yep and i guess someone recorded him so that he could hear himself as he was Doing yoga? Doing the class. Oh, okay. Instructing the class. Yeah. And he was able to hear himself, and it helped him improve. Oh, it normally does. It's just like watching yourself surf or watching yourself play basketball. I mean, most basketball players watch films and films and films of themselves playing basketball. So then, okay, so then how many people in in the world we live in now, you have 100 ways to document yourself. Right. How many people look at that stuff videos audio tiktoks youtube whatever it is how many people look at those things and i don't want to say critically evaluate because maybe i don't want to put that much emphasis to it but i can't can't think of a a better phrase to use but how many of those people critically evaluate themselves because it's not like it's not like an athlete watching a, a a game or like a gymnast watching a previous performance and thinking okay my footwork here was bad. Yeah, you know, I need to do this. I need to arch my back more this right. way. Well, they have an impetus to change. Right, because there's a motivation there. Well, in our current technology, you can just edit out the stuff you don't that, like. Right, bad, but see, but now... But if you're watching it to challenge yourself and improve, let's take an easy... Let's take an, a complicated but somewhat easy argument. People look at pictures of it and they think, oh, God, I look terrible. Yeah, like my neck. I need to. I need to no, shut up. I need my to, big ass neck. I need to do something about that. <laughs> um, I showed a friend a picture of him that I took at a party weeks, and he said, oh, "I look so fat." That was before I started walking, right? And lost some of the weight that he had. He was not fat. He did right. not. He did not have that much weight. It was not a big deal. But people say that stuff. They're they're critical of themselves, but they don't change their beliefs and or their values about who or what they like where's i'm not making the connection of my own thought but like how many people sit down and see that stuff and critically think and then use that as a motivation to change or improve other than just viewing yourself am i making any sense with this casual versus critical oh does it actually change your paradigm or change your habit or change well it's very very difficult like people want to go to the gym and then they sign up in January and then they drop out by February. Right. And then they they look at videos or pictures and they, God, I'm overweight. I I need to go to the gym. Well, you were going to the gym, but you dropped back out. But then you stopped. And now you're watching this video and you're being critical of yourself, but you're not being critical of yourself in any way that's going to change or benefit you. You're just being critical. Then you move to escapism. Your escapism, as far as I can see, divides you. Mm -hmm. Then you have internal conflict. And then you're feeding into the thing that you don't want to feed into in the first place. Right. And it also causes all kinds of mental stress. So should, so again, again, right. How do we as people become more 
more gracious with ourselves and with each other that we would help ourselves and or our peers as Dr. Cornell West would say, our fellow brothers and sisters. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you help yourself and help others think critically of yourself, but not, um, which is a problem that I have, negatively or so critical that the bars that you set for yourself are unrealistic, unattainable, or not even worth pursuing? Right. And I think that happens a lot, especially in this country where everybody wants to go from first uh, or from you know wherever they are to first or famous or immediately. what a, immediately like n- not knowing that to become a you know a, a symphony orchestra participant takes years and years and years or some learning how to play the piano or painting a beautiful picture or writing a novel like people work themselves into that that stuff doesn't happen instantly and americans so bad with instant well not america but most of the world is so bad with instant gratification not realizing that to change your body systems takes repetition over and over and over again and it also takes thinking about what you're doing while you're doing it. Well, and a lot of times... Which is people, why basketball players that watch their videos and they change their shot, which is extremely difficult to do, right? because their shot works a lot of the time, but if they want to tweak it, you know, that, that takes courage. I think it takes courage. Courage. Yeah. Which is not something... I, I don't think people lack courage anymore as a value. Right. I just don't think it's one that we think of or, or check in with a lot. Well, I think we don't deploy it unless we normally have to. Right. Right, because it's, it's, it's one of our ones that takes a lot of power, right. and a I, lot of resources. I do think occasionally, and again, I've been guilty of this, your courageousness is misplaced because you're being courageous to defend a belief that doesn't line up with a value that you have. Right. But that's where you go. That's how you are. Um, yeah, and that's it's it's an interesting thing, and I I don't I don't know are we. So you mentioned this earlier about about me about how empathetically sensitive I am to the point where it's maybe not good for me, and not even in the sense of. Just that, like I I, I kind of tend to shy back with things in that sense, or I or I turn inward, but I, I don't know that we, I don't know that we make, inward thinking or self reflection. I don't know that that's viewed so positively in our society. I think I think that people think that you're weak, or or maybe that's attributed to being something that's more effeminate. Mm, maybe, uh, I think with the culture that we have now, or it's too gentle for our our I rough think Western reflection, society. Ref- right, getting people. Well, reflection is one of the first things of critical thinking. Right, you have to go back and reflect and it's called metacognition look at your own thinking and kind of make an assessment of your decisions or of whatever but yeah I, I, I feel like is it part of the masculine trope that we have maybe not whereas being you know, I I stand for this, and I've always stood for this, and I'm not going to change. Is more masculine? Is that what you're you're saying? And you can't reflect on that because right. 
it it messes with your identity of masculinity. Like kind of like you know, like men don't cry. Yeah, I I know in a way. I, but I, self reflection is not really like that much. I mean, could be. But like, if you're self-reflecting to make your basketball shot better, you're self-reflecting to drive a car better, or to—I keep thinking about sports. But if you're self-reflecting, I think it's the category of self-reflecting. Because if you're self-reflecting to make your relationship better with your 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 spouse, right? Is that weak? Like going, a lot of men don't like going to. Don't give in to her, man. Counseling. Don't don't get whipped. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't get whipped, man. Right. Yeah, but don't like to go to marriage counseling. Like they show up, the woman shows up, but without the man because right. he thinks it's. I don't need this. Weak. Yeah. Right. right. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 That's a good. That's pretty much a good. But again, uh, uh, another complex issue, but something right. that that would apply would be mm-hmm. like someone who grows up learns bigotry and racism and applies it, and then is challenged only to realize that their bigotry and racism is foolish unnecessary and setting them back right like how often do we encourage people to actually sit and reflect upon things like and i know because this kind of this kind of wades into like quasi-religious territory and people get really weird about this but like um and you probably know more about this than i would places that do where they like start classes or like homerooms where they have like for lack of a better term, a meditation period. Right. And then the students actually do better. They're able to interact better. Their their barriers disappear with things, whereas with people that don't do that, it doesn't exist. So again, how would you encourage these? And I, I mean, I'm not saying you have the answers or that anyone does, but just stuff to think about. Like, how do you encourage... Because the way we live now, it's go 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 all the time, all the time. Now you're now you're working from home, so now you're when we've talked about this. And you're, you're isolated. You're yeah, right. You're isolated. Your homework life balance is way off. You're you're feeling more pressured and more required. You're feeding into things. You have to be you. You have to excel. You have to achieve. When are we just going to take a moment to slow down and take a breath? Mm-hmm. And a breath is very very important. Yeah. I, when will well, we get to the crest of this wave long enough that we can stand back and see the watermark? Yeah, so the idea that we're moving faster and faster, well, some of the people in, you know, the people in California would say we're moving to the singularity and then we'll know, we'll be linked into the machine and we'll know everything all the time. You know, can you imagine what that would look like? But good Lord. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it takes a conscious to to deal with the social problems that we have, the problems that we create, like the environment, like racism, like sexism, like a lot of the different isms that we've created that, you know, have been really detrimental to our getting along in society. That self-reflection piece is something that has to happen. Mm-hmm. Right, as as more and more people, as we get more and more people on the planet. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I, I think too. So, let's look at it from the individual to the collective. You have individual values, individual beliefs, and then you have the larger collective whole, right? A societal set of values, 
and a societal set of beliefs. Mm-hmm. And those, those four, two, four things don't always run synonymous, synonymously together. Mm-mm. And so then there's that. You know, there's, like we talk about in English, you know, man versus himself, man versus society, man versus the unknown. Right. So in this case, now we're man versus society or, or person versus right. society. So then how does that, you know, if you're challenging yourself and let's say that you change, then do you, do, are you obligated or do you feel obligated and how do you go about that as you come to a great, again, going back to my very misplaced metaphor, a person who's grown up as a racist suddenly realizes, oh shit, this is right. wrong. Right. These people aren't different than me. It's mm-hmm. science. It's, it's biology. They right. have more melanin in their skin than I do. Right. But they're not different than I am. Right. Fine. We're very, very close. 90-something. Now, now you have friends. 98. Your best point. friends 99 are bigots and racists. Your, your group, your tribe. Right. Your, their belief system is that. So then now right. you become the other, but you go back into the tribe. Man, we're getting really good at this. We're starting to link up podcasts and shit. This is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, then you go back to the tribe, and then you're the guy. Man versus the world now. Man versus society. Hey, guys. Hey, hey, hey gals. Hey, folks. So a lot of times you're ostracized from that belief system. Right. This is not, this is not the way to be. Right. So then, then you have society's values, beliefs, individual value beliefs, and how those things mesh up. Mm-hmm. But we, we don't want a oneness, but on some level there is a oneness. Mm-hmm. Boy, I... I, I don't know that I should have hit that, that hard sativa this morning because my wheels are running out. <laughs> so the one, right. So we want to belong, but we want to be individuals. So that's the, that's the, uh, once we created the individual and not the tribe, you know, this is our paradox is we want to be part of something, but we also want to be an individual. What's the name for there's, there's gotta be a, a scholar, a scholarly, uh, you know, whatever, Griggs Paradox. There's got to be some name for this that someone's covered that we just don't know. Beings that you and I are not psychologists or psychotherapists, we're not in that field. This is philosophy. But there's got to be somebody has surely... I'll look it up for next week, maybe. Because I'm sure Joey will want to get involved in this conversation at some point. He'll listen to it and then, you know, come up with some thoughts himself. We'll have to make him listen to it. Yeah. Yeah. While he's walking around trying to be cool. Interesting. Well, we've got more questions than we had answers when we started. But I think um, if we've opened up your eyes a little bit to the idea of values and beliefs and how, how much they influence... I mean, they are our lives, kind of. Would... They are our lives. Could you consider in some way values and beliefs? And maybe I'm I'm parceling this out too much. Could you consider values and beliefs a a, a form of religion in and of themselves? Well, no, not really, because beliefs would be... 
what bills values and beliefs are in any concept we have probably created social construct values and beliefs are always part of them they're part of the pillars that hold them up so people can identify them so religion would fall into that governance would fall into that the idea of yourself would fall into that so I don't think you could just split off religion and say that that's that because religion's a social system just like can you, governance or can very you similar. tie this into your thesis at all with the republic yeah well the fact I'm that not, knowledge I'm not asking is, necessarily to do it right I'm just saying I mean it's right this is well the that fact that knowledge is dynamic Right. Knowledge is dynamic. And so if if knowledge is dynamic, our standpoint should be dynamic instead of psychology uses something called a standpoint, which is where you view your belief outward to the world. It's like all the points that come together that create your belief. And uh, anyway, those need to be dynamic as well. If we really are in a growth system, which is what we're what we're doing we're evolving so we're growing as as organisms and our s social system grows just like we do because it mimics us mm. so and so do you and, think oh, sorry go ahead go ahead my initial construct is that we need to be using game theory to to interpret some of the values and beliefs, the idea that we are the other and that by being the other, taking care of someone else, you're actually taking care of yourself. Um, is that a belief or a value? Reciprocity, altruism. It is like automatic altruism. Altruistic, I guess, would be one of the... Because huh. I would think there are some values and beliefs that if they do sync up together, that they, that they are quite potent, like the idea of the, having the value of taking care of someone else helps me, but also the belief that that would make the, the whole thing that much more potent. Right. So with knowledge being... Again, there's a, there's a sticky area between values and beliefs, right? Beliefs tend to be more concrete values tend to be more ethereal so fuzzy if you have if, you, if okay so we recognize that knowledge is kinetic that is not fixed right knowledge and then by my way of seeing the world knowledge is not only progressive but regressive because sometimes we learn that the thing that we knew before is actually better than the thing we just figured out oh sure and I think, I think the other thing with that is with the way our society is built now, the world economy, the world society is built so much on the idea of progression that I think anything that is perceived as regressive is, is perceived as negative. Right. They even use that term negatively. But just like saying there needs to be true conservatives in our political system, we still have traditions and things in our society that mean mean things to people. Like they're 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 part of the way they understand the world, and they're the part of the way that you know that part of our standpoint, the way we 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 look at the world, and so. 
like some of that stuff, I understand the concern of conservatives that want to protect some of these value systems. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I think we need those people reminding us about the value of this particular social act or this particular cultural idea. Um, you know, that's, that's regressive, but it's also probably pretty valuable. And so, yeah, we just can't, well, it's the term throwing the baby out with the bathwater is kind of like what we can't be moving so fast into the future that we don't remember where we came from because we, we tend to make the similar mistakes again with just different, <laughs> different contexts. Mm -hmm. We make the same mistake, right? Mm -hmm. Over and over and over again. Um, so I think, I think really having some people and some, some thought processes that, that go back and look at those and say, hey, well, maybe we shouldn't have gotten rid of this because this is what it is, or let's not get rid of this because this is what it is, is not a bad thing. Right. Well, I certainly don't believe it's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing. Huh. Well, with the few moments we have here while we're wrapping up, I want to go ahead and state publicly that I think people who drive trucks lifted in the front, I think you have a lot to contemplate with your life's choices. Well, and the fact that you really can't see over the dash. The funny thing is I heard that they were illegal now. Like they have been passed the a law. Yeah. Really? Because they're dangerous. They not only can you can't see, they provide an immense amount of lift on the front tires. If the, and, and they're the ones that steer the vehicle. The guys that are driving them had bigger dicks. They could sit on their dicks, see over the front steering wheel, but they can't. So Yeah, yeah. I shouldn't it's, say it's like, it's I'm a very large problem. Okay. <laughs> but um yeah, it's going to be really... It's interesting how fads like that that are so nonsensical and not, like... I mean, they look funny to us, but obviously the kids like them or the young people like them. How does that become, like, a marker of what's cool, right? Like, it's, it's crazy how things that you would never... That are not practical... Right. ...become... Like cultural icons <laughs> or, or <Yeah>. fashionable <laughs> or the skinny damn jeans that the hipsters were wearing. I swear I, I have some, I, I hate to admit this, but people that know me know me. I, I have some skinny <laughs> jeans, not super skinny, but pretty skinny. And I used to wear them to teach in. And the problem is if I dropped something on the floor, I couldn't get it off the floor. It, yeah. I'd have to have a student get up well, and come I, get me the thing off the floor. So it's terribly this is, embarrassing. This is not bragging in any way because we, we've been through this. We had a whole whole 20 minutes on one episode. Hey, about Kurt. How you doing? Good, good. You too. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. go ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, no one cares. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, I'm famous. Yeah, you are. <laughs> Around here, you absolutely are. Um, lost my train of thought. Oh, we're talking about the trucks. Oh, yeah. So, we, yeah, we had a whole thing, a whole 20 minutes where we criticized my weight one time. But every pair of jeans I have is skinny jeans because those are the only jeans that will fit me. 
if I get regular jeans, they fall right off of me. So I, I pretty much only can wear the one kind. So what are you going to do when they do away with skinny jeans and only have straight jeans? Luckily, I bought... Well, you might look, I you might a, look okay in like just straight leg jeans. Perhaps, but I bought enough pairs... And I don't to last in infinitum? Prob- probably for the rest of my life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you can always go into vintage shops later and get them. And get them, yeah. 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 Now, that being said, people who criticize skinny jeans, what they don't realize no, is that... No, we're talking about really, really... Some of them look like they're sprayed on. Right, right, and I get that. Right, but that's what that to of, me, is, I didn't wear those. A lot like, of people don't realize is that if you live long enough and your body changes enough, every pair of pants you become is a pair of skinny pants. <laughs> yeah. You know, it just depends on who you are. Um, Yeah, as every five years your metabolism seems to slow down a big notch. (laughs) But I can't can't speak for fashion because I've been wearing Umbro shorts since I was like three. But Umbro's are still, like, they're still a European icon. Yeah, but that's Europe, you know, and I wear clothes. Well, that's because it's it's football or soccer, as you. I wear basically rags for clothing. Well, you don't have any holes in your Not Well, this, this shirt I got yesterday, so it has no holes in it. Yeah. Okay. Give, okay. It, give it time. Okay. I guarantee you I'll destroy it. Yeah. Um, hmm. All right. Well, then what, what do you want to do? You want to you make, make your weekly recommendation? Oh, my weekly or do, recommendation. Or, or do you want to just close it down? Uh, I could do a recommendation. Um... I would be remiss not to recommend Paulo Freire. Uh, so I am an educator, of course, but I came to it late in life. Um, and I was exposed to the work of Paulo Freire as a Brazilian educator. Um, and he changed the way I thought about knowledge and people. And his, his initial statement was that knowledge was, he didn't use the term dynamic, but it, he, maybe he did use the term dynamic, but in motion and that we have to stop thinking about knowledge as dead and lifeless and something you can package and sell and those kind of things because because it creates oppression um, by the way that it's restricted from certain people. And so I, I, it was very, very interesting. Um, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he talked about our 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 educational system as the banking system of education where people come in and they like getting money from a teller they get information from a teacher and this information is prepackaged and then they're tested to make sure they have the information they're sent on their way when the information is actually linked to all kinds of other things and the people that control the information control the oppression and it was very very interesting and Brazil at that time was run um, uh, was run by a very select group of oligarchs that eventually there was a revolution and they were thrown out, but I'd be very remiss not to mention Pedagogy of the Oppressed, which is Ferry's most famous book. I think Pedagogy of Freedom's a little bit more, uh, a little bit easier to read, but Pedagogy of the Oppressed, every, pretty much every parent and every educator probably should actually have read at least parts of that book because it is eye-opening Freire's understanding of... That's one of my most favorite words, actually, pedagogy. Uh, pedagogy is, is, is the Greek word kind of 
quasi uh, the ancient uh, Greek term for teaching. I just like the way it sounds. Yeah. Oh, it's just cool. And, and so pedagogy of the oppressed or pedagogy of freedom, uh, you can look up Paulo Freire, the Freire Institute. I teach with this idea of like giving the student agency, you give them you give them a situation that allows them to develop their own and create their own vocabulary for ideas and that vocabulary they kind of have for themselves and they can take it with them and they have ownership of their own knowledge and that's a very empowering idea. And so pedagogy of the oppressed is mine. Paulo Freire. And then what was the other, because you mentioned it earlier when we started this, the Think Again by... So I have not the, read that, right, but I'm, it's, it's, on, it's in my list. Adam Grant. Adam Grant. Think, think again. again. Okay. Because right. that's one I think I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm definitely going to buy that uh, and take a look at that because just listening to his podcast and that was the Knowledge Product. Right. I mean, the Knowledge Project podcast. Uh, I've listened to a few of them and they're they're really quite interesting. I I listen to podcasts at the gym. I go to the gym, you know, a, a bunch of days a week trying to stay healthy. Um, and uh, listen to podcasts. Podcasts are a great way to kind of understand the world and kind of interrogate the world on the side as you're doing something else. Mm. Yeah, I agree. And drive. Yeah. I listen to podcasts that drive too. Yeah, it beats listening to some of the other things you could listen to. Yeah, I'm, well, and I listen to music as well, but, but recently podcasts have been much more interesting. Mm. Although I tend to talk to myself in the gym uh, because I'm answering the podcast or commenting on the podcast, and I realize I have my headphones on, and I'm people are looking at me. <laughs> but you know, I'm used to being, you know. You're a standout, man. Standout. Yeah. Yep. Hmm. What's your recommendation? I don't know. I haven't. I've only read the first. I'll go with the one I was talking about earlier. I, I have only read the first several pages, but um, "As Serious as Your Life" by Val Wilmer, I think is her name. White British chick wrote a book about free jazz from 57 to 77 and how it incorporates you know african-american culture and the origin of jazz the origins of the word jazz how it incorporates women and where their place was in the medium because they're not often talked about as is the case with many things with with women's history right um how how it applied to white people and how they were involved some of them um, where it is today and what it means. I am constantly, I don't know, I've always been drawn to this with, with, with African-American culture, black culture, whatever. I don't, I don't follow a lot of news and stuff, so I don't know what's PC anymore, so I just say it as I say it. Um, and I'm sure this is like my, my intense white privilege kicking in, but I have always felt more comfortable and akin with African-American culture and peoples. I don't know why, just, that's just, it, I, just, I just feel more comfortable that way. Um, when I was at Fisk, I felt more comfortable with those students than I ever did with the kids that I was in college with at, like in Florida at the community college, which had Spanish people and white people and black people and all that, you know. I'm all for breaking down those barriers and seeing it differently. But what I, what I find most fascinating, which is what she opens the book up with, is that when free jazz came out, they called it, uh, you know, had a lot of different titles, the new music, uh, the new Negro music, Negro music, 
and then of course jazz and how she talks about how some people in the jazz realm don't like to be called jazz musicians or don't even like the term jazz music because it's an Afrocentric term that's a label that some white man put on it to label something that they thought was solicitous and sensual that they didn't like. And so then there's other guys who think, well, you know, I spent my whole life training to be a jazz musician. Mm -hmm. And here the other guys are saying that that's some white man's label. And the, the dichotomy, I, can only, I could never even begin to imagine the dichotomy that has to happen. This is what W.B. Du Bois talks about, the, the, the twofold life that a black person must live. It's the veil. He right. calls it the veil. Yeah. Right. Where there's you as a black person and then you as a black person operating in a not black society and how these labels and things get in, intertwined and inter, interchanged and, and mm -hmm. you know, the idea of having a word for yourself that, that you own it. That's why it's powerful to you. And this and, is and that WB WEB Du Bois book is called The Souls of Black Folk. Right. Which is I think that's an absolute read for anyone regardless of where you come from and just because it's so universal. He's speaking to black people. But it is a it is a universal but text. But the, the thematic stuff is universal. Yeah. But yeah, so As Serious as Your Life by Val Wilmer. And I think it's interesting too, again we've talked about patronage during the Renaissance and other movements, Har Harlem right. Renaissance. I'm speaking of not the, uh, neoclassical European Renaissance, right. um, and patronage and these kind of things. But I always find it really interesting too, that like white women can slide in so easy into these things more so than seems like white men sometimes. Um, that's my perception. That may not be fact. But but I like the idea that this woman was able to befriend these people, be comfortable enough with these people. Not only is she white and they're black, not only is she a woman and they're men, most of them, but she's English, she's British. And these are all American dudes. Mm -hmm. And for her to be steeped in it, reflect upon it, and then write about it in such a critical way, so far as that I can tell, that's fair to speaking toward what it's like to be a black person doing this again the otherness the veil right that kind of stuff always piques my my interest okay so what was the say the name of the book as serious as your life as serious by, as your life by val wilmer and then and then our our secondary would be souls of black folk right by du bois so also a fisk graduate yeah, Harvard graduate as well. First, first black guy I think to get a PhD from Harvard, if I'm not mistaken. A foundational American text. Yeah. Like, yeah. If you're going to read the other foundational American texts, you might as well read. That's 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 in the those. canon yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Of great American. I tried to teach it to my high school students. Um, maybe a little bit dense for the particular group that I was doing. Maybe I just didn't really get the way I should teach it, but I think it's, it's, it's definitely a worthwhile text for people to read. And you don't have to read it all at one time. Right. You just read a little bit of it here and there. How about two, let's add in today, just to, for a, a fun thing, uh, real quick, how about a, uh, a movie recommendation of any kind? It doesn't even have to be like super heavy didactic. Have you seen a good movie or TV show lately? I love The Expanse. What's, your, what's it on? What service? It's Prime. 
Amazon Prime. Yeah, there's, so there are five series, I mean, five seasons of it. You should watch it if you love science fiction. It is extremely well written and a blast to watch. And it's not in, it's in the near future. It's not in like thousands of years future. Mm-hmm. It's not like a Star Trek. It's much more like what we would have in a hundred years or so. Okay. Yeah. I'll say Zombieland because we rewatched it the other night. It's just oh, funny. Oh, that's right. It's just, fu- it's just funny to see Woody Harrelson be Woody Harrelson yeah. to me. It just yeah. cracks me up. So, yeah, well, good movie. Good fun. Well, thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. We'll, we'll bring Joey next back week, next yeah, week. If he's, if he's um, wanting to able and up for it. Yeah, if he can. Pot- if he potentially can get- in the future we'll start featuring a fourth yeah, we might have a fourth, fourth person for fourth person. We're going to get an extra mic and just have, you know, maybe randomly just have people come diversify and, the conversation and, and a chat bit. with us so you won't get so bored with us. And maybe next week we'll be in a different place. Maybe yeah. we'll go check a different shop. Yeah, we, we've toyed with the idea of going to a, you know, we love Stir It Up, but going to experience something a little different. All right. Well, All right. well thank you for listening. We appreciate then. it. Yes, sir.